Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 118, a lot to talk about as we head into the final week of the Liga B1 and second division season. Uh, I'll be talking here in a few moments about the schedule. I'll talk about the relegation races, which are really the big things left in the first division. Uh, big three report. Uh, week in review in the news. JJ, what did you say this week to get you into trouble? Talk a little bit about the uh, title last week. Uh, Braga with a big week, winning a lot of the monthly awards. I've got a lot to say about that. And then, of course, also start talking about some of the transfer news and who is my flop so far for the season of all the signings. I'll be talking about that in a few minutes. And let me also say before I get started that at the second half of this episode, I'm going to be playing you some audio of uh, incoming manager. And, and, of course, we say that he hasn't been announced yet, but we all know he's going to be the manager, and that's Roger Schmidt. He was very disappointed in a recent match in Holland over the refereeing in the VAR. And when I was listening to it, I couldn't help but think that eventually he's going to be saying the same things in Portugal. And I'm going to play you a little bit of that because I think this, you know, again, everybody complains in Portugal. It's not just one club. You know, if you're a fan of uh, Benfica, Porto, and Sporting, you like to complain and feel that everything comes down on you. But the reality is, is everybody at one time or another during the season is complaining about something. So I'll give you a sneak peek with uh, Roger uh, Schmidt. But let me start off first with the schedule again. Uh, the final week of the Liga B-Win season, uh, when we think about the season starting last August, it obviously started with the Super Cup, Sporting beating Braga 2-0. And then, of course, this, the Liga got started that second week in August. There were various matches throughout the fall that were postponed because of COVID tests and things of that nature, especially in the second division. But everybody handled it well, and here we are now, eight or nine months later, Everything finished on schedule. And let me tell you, we got a very exciting weekend. First off, obviously in the first division, it's really all about the battle at the bottom, the battle for relegate to avoid relegation. Uh, we've got three teams that are battling, Bisad, Moreirense, and Tundela. Tundela right now is in 16th place with 27 points. Moreirense is 17th with 26 points. And Bisad, Bilanencha Saad, is last with 25 points. Uh, none of these teams can get any higher. It's either 16th, 17th, or 18th place for them. So essentially two of these three teams are going to go down to the second division, and one of them will stay alive to at least play the playoff against the third-place team from the second division. And this weekend, the schedules came out, and like I said last week, they were going to come out a little bit later than usual, and they did on uh, Monday. And obviously, the schedule was pretty much dictated by uh, the races. Um, and in this case, relegation. Uh, all the teams that are involved in this uh, relegation battle are all playing at the same time on Saturday morning. And that's one of the reasons uh, why they do the schedule the way they do for the last week. Uh, basically, you have uh, coming up this weekend, you've got Tundela at home to Boa Vista. Tundela wins, boom. They clinch 16th place and go to the playoff and then also worry about playing the Tasa de Portugal next week. Uh, Moreirense is at home to Vizela. Vizela celebrated staying up last week. Um, are they going to come in motivated? They Players and the managers are going to say that, but we'll see if they do. But Moreirense 
If Morenense wins and Tundela draws or loses, then Morenense would go into the uh, playoff spot. And then the last match features Aroca hosting Bisad. Bisad in last place with 25 points. Best situation for Bisad is that both Tundela and Vizela lose, and that enables Bisad to finish in a 16th place. But Bisad really, probably of the three teams here, are the ones that stand the highest chance of being relegated. Uh, when you look at the head-to-head -head in terms of uh, what would happen if they finished the uh, level on points, Tundela is better than Bisad. Uh, Moreirense is better than Tundela and Bisad. So Bisad, if they finish even in a draw, um, and they finish level on points, they're screwed. So they basically need to win and have the other two teams lose. So uh, a great match this weekend. Again, Tundela, Boavista, Moreirense, Vizela, Aroca, Bisad. All of those three matches taking place Saturday at 3.30 in the afternoon in uh, Portugal, 10.30 for a lot of the people on the eastern time zone of uh, North America. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think Tundela will go to the uh, playoffs. Uh, Moreirense and Bisad have had plenty of opportunity to grab points and they have not made it and the truth is they are probably the ones that are most deserving uh, to go down I know a lot of people will be happy with B-side going down because there's a lot of people that support the name Bilinenses uh, uh you know been up here in the first division had a pretty good year I think three four years ago or two years ago they finished fifth but uh, they're uh, not looking good to stay up so that's the big race that's coming up on uh, Saturday and by the way let me take this opportunity um, to talk about the schedule and why they do the schedule they do for the last week of the season. Um, first off, many, many years ago, it used to be that the last three match days, the teams with the same objectives or fighting for the same objectives would all be playing at the same time. And again, they do this because if you're both battling for first place or you're both battling to avoid relegation, it's in your best interest to both be playing at the same time so one doesn't have any advantage of the other if someone plays before the other. And they used to do it for many years, three weeks. Then it became two weeks up until about four or five years ago. And then it eventually only drops now we're to the last match day of the season when basically all the matches of mutual interest are played at the same time. And a lot of people don't like that because of the fact that that means for the last match day, and by the way, if, this, if it stayed the old way with the third, three last match days or the second, people would be complaining in the same way, but the situation is only the last week. A lot of people don't like it because it means that you only have four days' notice before the first game of the final match. But I'm pretty sure these clubs, my understanding, know already and have an idea a week or two away when they might be playing. So it's not necessarily like the clubs kind of find out cold. Uh, obviously, this is not really fair to the fans, especially those supporters that like to travel to see their teams play. That could be a big of an issue. But I think at the end of the day, that's the reason why they do it. It's done in conjunction with the TV. And that's why the schedules are announced as late as they do. And I know the Liga got some criticism this week for it. But let me also say, by the way, the Liga has done a good job with the scheduling because the Liga, you know, again, four or five years ago, they used to do the announcements of the schedule per week, like nine or ten days before you played. I mean, it was that it really did happen, if, if any of you remember. And now they announce things four to five weeks out. So I pretty much, you know, came to some points when it was round 26, week 26. They announced the schedule up until week 30, so everybody knew up until week 30 
when the schedule was. So the Liga, to their credit, has improved upon that compared to what we used to have 10, 20 um, you know, years ago. And I think for that reason, that's good. And a lot of it is because of TV. And you know, let's be honest with you, tickets don't make a lot of money unless you're the big three and you get 40000 in the house. For the smaller clubs, it's certainly money. But certainly it's the TV money that's the king and the one that every of the clubs need. So that's the reason why they do it very late because they want to wait to see who needs to play with what, who needs to play at the same time, and then they announce it. But my understanding is that the clubs kind of have an idea already behind the scenes of when they potentially may be playing. It's not fair to the ticket holders. But the clubs have, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of idea. And again, TV plays a very, very a big uh, part in it. So that's really the big thing for this weekend is the relegation and then the TV. Uh, obviously, you know, Porto won last week. So Porto is only playing this weekend at home. One, to stay undefeated this season at home in the Liga. And two, to get the trophy. Former goalkeeper Helton will present it to them. And obviously there's going to be a big crowd. As I record this episode, they had about 3,000 tickets left. And then afterwards, everyone's going to go to the Aliados. And that's when uh, the players are going to be honored at City Hall. And much like it was last weekend, there'll be another new set of celebrations in the uh, city of Porto. That's what's great about being Portuguese is everybody's always looking for a reason uh, to uh, celebrate uh, something. Uh, and then, of course, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in my second division report. We have a great race shaping up with the second division. Who's going to uh, go uh, get promoted? Who's going to finish third for the playoff? And then we also have a very interesting race at the bottom, which I'll talk about in the uh, second division report. But that's it for this weekend, the final match day of the season. And then looking ahead to the schedule, next Friday, the 20th, Fernando Santos will announce his roster for the four uh, Nations League matches uh, next month, uh, two of them in uh, Alvalade, the other two away with uh, Spain, uh, Switzerland, and the uh, Czech Republic. Uh, I put out some news about when they were going to announce it, and a lot of people felt that there was going to be essentially maybe a B team called up that, you know, these are exhibitions. Don't tell that to the Federation. They want to win another trophy. Uh, all the main players, I would expect, are going to be called up. We know Ruben Diaz just got injured. He may not feature. Diego Jota uh, will be playing in the Champions League final later this month, so he's probably not going to feature, at least for the first two games. But uh, I'm pretty sure that by the time we get to next Friday that Fernando Santos is likely going to be calling up everybody because even though some of you think that this is an exhibition, you have to remember this is also an opportunity for the players to really get together hone the offense, hone the defense, get it ready because uh, once they get going in September, they play Nations League matches. And then there's only a week break between the end of their season break and then they start playing World Cup games. So these four matches coming up in June are very important for Fernando Santos and the players to get ready. And then afterwards, of course, the players will probably have a month's vacation and then Everybody will start to report to their teams probably in the uh, middle of July. Um, and then, of course, next weekend, Sunday, we have the Taça de Portugal between uh, Porto and uh, Tundela. And by the way, let me just say, again, express my disappointment. Again, I've been very complimentary about the Liga when it comes to the scheduling day, like I said. Um, I love what they do to the Taça de Liga. Again, I know that's something that some of you don't like. I like it because it's another competition for people to play. Um, but, uh, you know, I complimented the Federation. I think it's one of the best in the world. They do a great marketing job. But 
when it comes to the Tasa de Liga final, and I've talked about this already, and now we're talking about the Tasa de Portugal final, this is a match that's being broadcast in Portugal on TVI. Um, you, you know, for many years it used to be on RTP, but RTP doesn't have the rights anymore. They do have the rights next year. So next year we'll be able to watch Tasa de Portugal matches, as well as, I'm assuming, Tasa de Liga in RTP International, which I know a lot of people have, especially the older generation. A lot of them rely on watching that uh, every day. The Price is Right, all those uh, TV shows, the quiz shows, the soap operas. But uh, this year, again, another Tasa de Portugal final, and it's not being broadcast on RTP International. I don't know how many people outside of Portugal get TVI, and again, my idea is I don't understand why they can't put it up on YouTube. Um, you know, if, if you're in Portugal, okay, you could watch it on TVI, which is not a subscription channel. It's a free channel over the air. All you need is in the, a basic antenna. Um, but for people outside of Portugal, it's going to be very hard uh, to do that. And I don't understand why next week, and I'll talk about this more, they can't put the game on YouTube or put it on some type of platform, sl slap a big sponsor logo on him, and you can't tell me, you know, you don't think you're going to get 50,000 people to watch a, uh, a Tasa de Portugal final on YouTube outside of Portugal? If you made it available and you advertised it, I absolutely think you could do it. I, I, I would think that's very reasonable when you think about how many people watch Portuguese football, soccer, outside of Portugal. But again, I know I vented about this. They do a great job, but when it comes to these big finals these last few years, when it's not on RTP International, it's just very difficult for some people uh, to watch it, and, and I guess that's really you know, my uh, big uh, point. But that's the schedule. Final week of the season, final second division week of the season. Next Friday, Fernando Santos announces his uh, squad selections. And then next Sunday, we will have in Jamor, and what is expected to be a sold-out Jamor, We'll have uh, Porto playing Tundela for the Taça de Portugal. Weekly news for this week. Let's, let me touch on it. Congratulations to Gil Vicente Klitsch, a Europa conference spot. Um, I have family that lives in Barcelos. Very happy in that part of the menu. Uh, big accomplishment for a club like Gil to be playing in Europe for the first time. The only thing that scares me about it is how many of the people, players, and how many, and will the manager be coming back in August to play in the Europa League? This is not going to be the same team. Uh, Lino is already headed to Atletico Madrid. There's other players that are going to be sold and that are going to move up. I would say Ricardo Suarez stands a very good chance to be moving up to a, a bigger club. Not big three, but I could see him maybe move up to a club like Guimarães if Pepe leaves. I could see that happening. I could see that happening. But... Uh, Big move for uh, Gilles Vicente. Uh, congratulations to them. And a lot of people I know are, are very happy to see European football coming to Barcelos in the Europa Conference League. Uh, interesting thing happened with uh, George Jesus, uh, JJ. First off, he's being linked with uh, Fenerbahce. And, you know, I had put out a poll. Um, and by the way, when you put out a poll, that's what the poll is meant to be. It's meant to be a poll to get your opinion. It's not meant to say one thing or the other. It's basically to measure the followers things about something and uh, a lot of Fenerbahce fans were very offended at the questions apparently when you do a poll on Twitter especially when you do a poll like you know was uh, the goal was the offsides on goal Darwin legitimate apparently you upset people because you means you're trying to in a very subtle way say something and no you're just trying to 
you know, activate conversation. I mean, it's a, a big match, and, uh, you know, that's what you do. Um, but apparently people get upset, and apparently I put this up about Fenerbahce, and apparently a lot of Turkish fans from Fenerbahce were very upset. I think it had something like 6,000 votes. 92% was in favor of Fenerbahce, so the Turkish army uh, showed up in groves uh, to make a point. But... Apparently, if Fenerbahce do qualify for the Champions League, it looks like JJ may be going there. Uh, I personally, again, this has nothing to do, nothing to do with disrespect about Fenerbahce. Nothing. This has to do with, in my opinion, and I, I'm surprised people forget uh, what he or JJ did his early years with Benfica. I'm surprised they forget that he took uh, Benfica to back-to-back -back Europa. I mean, all of a sudden, that's not a big deal anymore with us Portuguese when we're barely making it to the quarterfinals. Uh, let's also look at what he did with the Copa Libertadores with Flamingo and revolutionized Brazilian football in the sense that now you've got all these Portuguese managers that are managing in Brazil because of JJ, whether you agree with it or not. And let's also remember that JJ was the same one that really wanted Darwin. But nobody talks about that. But I still feel, in my opinion, that J.J. deserves an opportunity, okay, to try to manage, and not necessarily, I'm not talking about one of the Euro Giants, but I'm surprised he doesn't go for a chance with the championship in England, maybe a mid-table club in uh, Germany or Spain. Uh, I think he could manage in France. I have no doubt about that. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm very surprised. Um, you know, there's always interest in Portuguese managers from Turkey, from Greece, from the Middle East, from Brazil. But for whatever reason, a lot of people just uh, seem to be down on him. But uh, again, I think for me personally, he still has a little bit of something in him. I think somebody made a comment that they thought maybe he was too old. Uh, to be honest with you, if you're a manager and you know how to walk up and down the sideline a lot and you know how to occasionally jog with the team during the uh, 15 minutes open to the uh, press, you're more than capable of managing. You're still in physical uh, in physical shape. So, uh, again, I'm surprised this has nothing to do with Fenerbahce. But, hey, if he does go to Fenerbahce, he's going to a big club in Turkey, big club, massive fan base, uh, bigger than, I think, some of the Portuguese clubs, uh, especially on social media. And obviously, he's going to be going into a cauldron of what is Turkish football, which is fantastic fans. It, it's a, To go to a Turkish match between a Betsikas, Galatasaray, and Fenerbahce and feel that emotion is something that I think every football soccer fan should do once in their life and what I hope to do someday as well. But apparently, that's a possibility for J.J. He's going to go. Now, J.J. also made more news because he was being interviewed on Brazilian television, and apparently... He was talking about uh, Pep Guardiola, who complimented Benfica's defense, and he said that he was the one that managed those teams. And then Rui Vitoria went on Instagram and basically posted a photo of him shaking Pep Guardiola's hand because the defense that he was talking about was the, actually not the team's way back that J.J. managed. It was actually the Rui Vitoria team, so that was a pretty bad mistake by J.J. getting his uh, years crossed up. And, uh, and by the way, uh, Rui Vitoria quickly found that photo to put that up right away and quickly respond. I thought that was interesting, too. And I also thought it was interesting that PZ also liked Rui Vitoria's photo. And you could see it for yourself. I'm not making anything up. It, you could see it for yourself on Instagram. If you're following PZ, it'll come up as one of the people that, you know, liked that Rui Vitoria photo. And I only bring that up because of the issue that was reported between PZ 
and uh, JJ. So JJ might be getting a new job, uh, but he certainly had a pretty embarrassing mistake, uh, basically saying the wrong thing during this Brazilian interview. He's in uh, Brazil right now. So it's been a very rough few weeks for JJ, especially last week when he made the remarks like he did about Flamingo and wanting to get everything done by the 20th. And obviously that upset a lot of people, including obviously the uh, Flamingo people, because Paulo Souza, Portuguese manager, one of the reasons, by the way, Paulo Souza is in Brazil is because of their interest in Portuguese managers, but that did not go over well in the Paulo Souza camp, which, by the way, is totally understandable. Totally, totally understandable. So that's with uh, JJ. But that was big news this week. Uh, obviously, you know about the Classico last week. Uh, Porto, again, like Herrera did a few years ago, Porto scoring a late goal. Uh, Benfica, you know, they uh, look at the end of the day, it was not their year. They did not win any trophies again. Like um, Grimaldo said, it's been uh, three years. Uh, Porto, uh, Braga lost a side that ended that long streak, has been the best team in Portugal, and they deserve a lot of respect. And a lot of Benfica fans were upset at seeing uh, Porto win. And, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's understandable. I saw more irritated Benfica fans than I could ever remember. But you got to give credit. It's, it's in the math, and the math says that Porto won the uh, Liga. Uh, also this past week, Braga being recognized for a tremendous April when they beat both Benfica and uh, Porto. Uh, uh, Carlos Carvajal, uh, David Carmo, Ricardo Horta, and Mateus basically were all named the best in their position. So Carvajal was named the manager of the month. Uh, Mateus, goalkeeper. Ricardo Horta, best striker. And David Carmo was voted best defender. And then Ricardo Horta also took home the best award for um, best player of the month for April. So a big month for Braga. And obviously when you beat Porto and Benfica in the same month, you know, that's what's uh, going to happen. And, uh, you know, reviewing week 32, all there really is to say, obviously, was the fact that Porto won the uh, title. Gil Vicente managed to finish in fifth place. And then we also saw the relegation battle being postponed to this weekend. And B-Sad, an opportunity at home uh, to put together a positive result, and they failed to do it uh, miserably. But looking ahead to week 33, obviously uh, a few news items this week. First off, Guimarães, Vitoria Guimarães, Gil Vicente is being played behind closed doors this weekend. Uh, Guimarães had some incidents with the fans back in uh, January 2020. It was a game they lost against Benfica 1-0. But uh, they appealed. They went through all the processes. And uh, it sticks that they're going to have to do a match behind closed doors. And since this may weekend's match doesn't really mean anything, they've decided that they're going to just take their punishment and get it over with uh, this weekend when they play Gil Vicente. Because otherwise, if they were allowed to have fans, that would be a pretty well-attended match because you're talking about two teams from you know up there in the uh, near Minho region. So I think that would have been a, a very good match. Uh, Porto this weekend will be receiving their trophy, so there's a whole celebration with that. But basically, things get going on Friday with Passos de Ferreira playing Benfica. Uh, Benfica basically is resting a bunch of players. Um, basically, they uh, he did Verissimo de Nacola, Vlaco Dimos, Atomendi, Rodanjic, Seferovic, Darwin, Weigel is suspended. Uh, you've got Everton, Rafa, and Gonzalo Ramos, who are all injured. So a lot of new talent in. Most of it, 
youngsters with Tam Tomaj Raju, Martinetto, Diego Morera, and Henrico and Raju. And then, of course, we have a pair of under-19 UEFA Youth League champions with Sandro Cruz and Thiago Goveia. I probably didn't say that right. Sorry. And uh, they've all been called up. So I think we're going to see some debuts by Benfica. Again, Benfica is already set for third place. They're going to go play in the... Uh, preliminary this summer for the uh, Champions League. So this will be Verissimo's opportunity to give some of the younger players a chance uh, to uh, play and obviously to make a name for himself to be able to be the one that launched these players and giving them their uh, debut uh, with uh, the uh, Liga. Uh, but then, of course, on Saturday morning, you've got Tundela, Boavista, Morirense, Vizela, Aroca, Bisa, and again, the relegation battle like I just talked about. Uh, busy Saturday, by the way, a lot of matches. Then you'll have Porto Estoril playing at uh, 1,800 hours. And then afterwards, uh, they're going to go to Aliados, and then Porto will be honored by the City Hall, the Municipal City Hall there. Um, and then Sporting will finish it up on Saturday night at home against uh, Santa Clara. Uh, obviously, they're going to be, if you hadn't heard, they're going to be honoring Pablo Sarabia. This will be his last match before returning uh, back to PSG. They're going to honor him with something in the uh, 17th minute. But Sarabia has been, in my opinion, when you talk about all the players that have been loaned to a Portuguese club, he's been top five, without a doubt, one of the better ones that have come. And uh, it's interesting that he did as well as he did and that Sporting still didn't win. But uh, that also, I think, tells you about where, you know, Sporting this year defensively was one of the better teams in the league. But it also tells you that guys, in my opinion, like Paulinho, did not step it up. Pote, who if I think last year won the scoring title, you know, he had some injuries. He didn't have the same year that he had last year. But Pablo Sarabia did, and he was uh, the big name. So sporting Santa Clara. Santa Clara, by the way, hasn't only, has only lost to big three teams since uh, week 16, round 16. So they're going to want to finish the season strong, and they're going to be playing sporting, and sporting will end their season in second place, but they already know they're going to the Champions League. And then Sunday, two quiet matches with not really anything to play for other than the fact that they're going to play to finish it, and that is Familia Kong at home to Braga in a northern battle, and then, of course, Guimaraes at home in the closed-door match. Uh, reminiscent of uh, the big days of the pandemic when nobody was allowed in the stadiums, we'll see something like that uh, with uh, Vitoria Guimaraes and uh, Gilles uh, Vicente. Uh, second division report. Uh, second division's got some good things going on too. Um, basically, the big battle in the second division is essentially who's going to go up, the two teams going up, and who's going to finish third. And we know the three teams involved in this. We just don't know yet who the top two are going to be because they still have to play. But uh, basically, Riwav, 67 points, Gazapia, 65, and Nisportivo du Chave, 64. Uh, Shavs right now is in third, so if the season ended today, they would be playing the playoff, potentially against possibly Tundela. Uh, but basically, uh, this weekend, and by the way, this weekend you've got some pretty good matches. Uh, uh, well, first off, everything starts with sort of a second division Clásico with uh, Porto B playing Benfica B on uh, Friday. That's an early afternoon match at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon in uh, Portugal. That'll be on uh, Porto Canal. Then you have Académico do Viseu taking on Penafial in the evening match. Then on Saturday, you have Académica against Ferenc from the Algarve. And then, of course, you got Vila Frequente taking on Trofense in Rio Maior. And then you have essentially the matches of interest with regards to the um, you know, relegation. 
and that is uh, you've got, uh, excuse me, promotion, excuse me. You've got Les Shoins playing Casa Pia at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then you also have Rio Ave at 11 o'clock in the morning playing Shavs. And obviously, again, two of those three teams are going to come up. Now, let me just say one thing going back to TV. Why are they making these important matches at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? Um, you know, I don't know the reason. Maybe they think that they're going to get better TV during the day, even though there's only two other first division matches with nothing to play for that day. First division matches. Um, why not put these games on at night? I mean, I, I don't understand why they don't play them in the evening. Um, none of these teams are playing, my understanding, are playing anything next week. So I don't understand why they're not playing this on Sunday night. This is where the TV sometimes doesn't make sense because they're playing at 11 o'clock in the morning. And... Uh, First off, for a lot of people in North America, this is a 6 o'clock in the morning game. But uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, a lot of people go to church. A lot of people do stuff around the house. So I don't know. I'm sure, look, there's got to be a reason. I just don't know what it is. But basically, the big match is Riwav, Shavs, two of the three teams that are in this battle. Leshoin, Shkazipia. Uh, Riwav, again, were relegated last year when they lost in the uh, playoff. They basically are looking to come back after a one-year absence. Gazepia hasn't been back up. I think they've only been up once in like 50 years. And then Shavs has been missing the last three or four years, but they have a few years. Not a lot, but they do have a few years here, a few years there. They're playing in the first division, and um, you know they're in the hunt as well. Worst-case scenario for them, they could probably go to the uh, playoff. But uh, in my opinion, Riwav. and this will be one of my picks in the prediction section, section. Riwav shavs is a great match, so... If you do get a chance, that match is on, uh, or by uh, the match, by the way, is on Sport TV 1. Uh, Les Chouins Casapia is on Sport uh, TV 2. Uh, those matches, uh, in my opinion, are really the matches to watch out for this uh, weekend. And then also in the second division, um, the only other battle left is uh, who's going to be finishing 16th to do a playoff with a team from the uh, third division. Covilla uh, right now sits in 16th place with 33 points, and Varzim is in 17th place with 32. And one of these teams, uh, well, when one of these teams is going to go down. The other one is going to basically go to the uh, playoff. Uh, when I look at the schedule here, Covilla is going to be playing at Estrella Amadora. Estrella Amadora last week went to Shavs. They were losing two, two goals to zero early. They came back to draw and really hurt Shavs. Uh, a chance to finish in the top two. So now you've got Estrella Madura possibly playing spoiler with Covilla. And then you've got Varzim at home to Mafra. Mafra's kind of, you know, started off the year a top three team. They've kind of fallen off. Uh, but those two matches, um, you know, again, are being played at uh, 1530 in the uh, middle of the afternoon. And again, the interest there is who's going to finish in 16th place to go to the playoff, and then whoever finishes 17th is going to be relegated with Academica. So that's what it is this weekend. Um, and again, I just I just wish that the match with Rio Aves and Chabs, because that's usually some years as a first division match, would be played, uh, in my opinion, in the uh, a little bit later in the day. But it is what um, you know what it is. Uh, moving on to predictions. Last week I said Benfica would beat Porto. Of course, I lost. I said Santa Clara would beat Passos de Ferreira. Passos has never won in the Azores, and that's still the case. Santa Clara won, so I won that pick. Uh, I predicted B-Side would beat Familia Cone. I lost. Familia Cone beat B-Side 3-2. And I predicted that Casapia would defeat Villa Frequence, and that's exactly what Casapia did. So I was 2-for-2. Two two. Remember every week when I say 2-for-2, two two, John? Well, it happened again. 2-for-2, two two, John. 
I'm 56% correct with my predictions, 76 correct, 59 correct. And it's important to say that a lot of these matches that I lose aren't like blowouts. They're really close matches, but nevertheless, they still count as a loss if they lost or if I didn't get the pick right, winning or a drawing. Uh, this weekend, I am predicting that Aroca and Bisad will play to a 2-2 draw. I'm predicting that Tundela would beat Voivista and, and basically stay in 16th place to play in the uh, playoff. I'm predicting that Morenens will beat Vizela, but it will not be enough as uh, Morenens will still go down because Tundela is ahead of them. And then I'm predicting a draw between Riwav and Shavs, the big match in the second division. Coming up, check this out, a little thing here from incoming manager Roger Schmidt. We have now we have a referee, we have two assistants, we have a force official, we have a video assistant referee, and we have a video assistant referee assistant, and we have all the time we need to make a decision in the 94th minute of a decisive match for the championship, and at the end we make this bad decision, wrong decision, so I, that's for me is a scandal. That they're not using the whole potential of the video assistant referee. We already talked about it. But if, if the, that is the conclusion, that they are, they're not checking it, uh, yeah, then I cannot, I cannot understand. I cannot really not understand that the, video, uh, that the referee is not uh, going out and uh, checked, uh, checked it by himself. Um, because I think everybody in the stadium um, and here also in this room know that it was never, ever a penalty. Never, ever a penalty. That voice you just heard was Roger Schmidt complaining about the VAR and the referee. Um, I'll be curious to see if he's going to learn Portuguese, but he is going to have a Portuguese assistant, according to one of the uh, newspapers. But that was Roger Smith, and you know, you listen to that, you can't help but say, "I've heard that so many times from a Portuguese manager." So, you know, I think if there's any lesson to be learned in what we just heard is the fact that I think it kind of is said. Uh, in a lot of places. I don't think it's just a Portuguese problem. But uh, again, that was uh, the voice of uh, Roger uh, Schmidt. Here's my Fast and Furious section with my big three report. Uh, first off, Sporting with the first big signing. Signing uh, center back St. Just from Mons, 9.5 million with two and a half in bonus objectives. Uh, the center, center back that's going to help them out there in the back. Um, obviously, I think, uh, you know, you've got Quatsch. But I don't know, um, you know, everybody else out there is okay. But he's certainly going to play, and I think he'll play a lot. We saw in the news again with Trincon being linked with uh, Sporting and that, uh, you know, Ruben Amorin remembers because he was with Trincon in Braga. So those new stories uh, continue to uh, pop up. We saw Sebastian Quat is going to apply for Portuguese citizenship. And no, he is not applying for Portuguese citizenship to play for Portugal. Uh, he's basically doing that to help his chances out to play in other parts of Europe if for when I read in the story uh, of Renaissance. Um, and then uh, we also saw, of course, Sarabia, the big goodbye this week. And again, in my opinion, one of the five best loans that a Portugal club has had, uh, in my opinion, in the last uh, few years, he's been uh, one of the uh, best. Uh, Benfica, still no Schmidt announcement, but it's getting close. Uh, a lot of news this week that Ricardo Huerta told Salvador of Braga that he wants to basically uh, play for Benfica and to go and make a deal, please. And uh, so he's been in the news along with a gentleman named Fernandez that plays for River Plate. 
so we're going to see that, by the way, that's what you're going to start to see now in the next two months is essentially the newspapers really going in an overdrive into these uh, stories. Um, and then uh, we move on. Of course, Darwin is obviously in the news. I uh, had a lot of Manchester United fans asking me about him and United. And the only thing I could tell you about Manchester United and Darwin is, you know, it, it's first of all, I don't know why anybody would email anybody and say, hey, do you think Manchester United is going to sign Darwin? The only people that know are Rui Costa, the guys at Benfica who do the deals, the agent of Darwin, his representatives, and the club that basically comes with the most amount of money. And Darwin is not going to be sold right away. I don't know if anyone's going to sell him and buy, right away and buy him for 120, minute, 120 million euros. I think this is going to drag out because they're going to want to try to get as much money as possible. But the problem with that is that I know the money they're going to make out of Darwin is important for Schmidt because basically Schmidt needs that money to start bringing in some of the players that he wants because I think we're going to see a lot of changes. I think Tarat is going to be gone. I think Rafa is going to be sold. There's going to be a lot of players. Uh, PZ is not going to return from Turkey. Andre Almeida is going to be moving on. There's a lot of people that are not going to come back, and they're going to need that Darwin money uh, to basically make the moves that they want um, because, uh, you know, transfer market, you know, if they decide to sell Darwin right up until the end of the transfer market, that's going to wreak havoc on their plans to pay for players unless these clubs are willing to wait, you know, a few months. But uh, Darwin, without a doubt, one of the hottest prospects of the summer. Give credit to JJ. I know you, you probably don't care. But that's really the news uh, with Benfica. And again, disappointing season for Benfica. But the great thing about sports is that it starts all over again in August and fans can get excited again. But until then, the question is, is what new players are going to be uh, coming in? Uh, Porto, uh, question I think that was asked a lot was Sergio Conceição, would he be coming back? He was asked about that a lot of time and he was very clear to say, look, I'm only worried about the next game. That's how I live. He was very clear about that. And there's a lot of questions. And, you know, they asked Pinto da Costa. And Pinto da Costa, as you know, if you're in the news and you want to get a, a clever quote, Pinto da Costa is the best at it in uh, Portugal. He's very clever in what he says. Uh, with all due respect to Verandas and Rui Costa, they're not at that level yet, the way the sarcasm comes out of Pinto da Costa. But uh, we'll be curious to see what's going to happen uh, with uh, with that, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But Porto this weekend, obviously the big thing is obviously they're getting their trophy, and, uh, and then what's going to happen? Um, will players, some of the younger players get sold? Is Conceição going to come back? Uh, that's going to be the questions dominating. But I think for me, if Conceição leaves, that makes a major change. Uh, Porto is a little bit better off financially because they were in the uh, Champions League, but they still need to make more money. So it would be very curious to see because there's been some situations with Porto. You know, we've had some situations with Porto, the most recently with uh, Diaz. Uh, we had a situation with Zadu where there's been some clubs complaining and a lot of the situation eventually goes away. But it happens more often than it should. And regardless of whether or not you believe that's just the newspapers working against Porto, uh, some of these sources are not even coming from Portugal. They're coming from outside of Portugal. So it'd be curious to see if Porto is going to make big sales this summer to try to solve some of their problems. Uh, but that's pretty much your uh, big three report. Congratulations to Jota. 
uh, at uh, Celtic. Uh, they won the Scottish Premiership. So a very big week. Question now is will Celtic uh, buy him? And then uh, let me also, uh, by the way, Lisbon next year in April would be hosting the UEFA Congress. That's the big Congress where they basically decide rules. They decide who's going to host what. And uh, they just had that in uh, Vienna, Austria. Next year it'll be in Lisbon, Portugal in early April. So Portugal is big for tourism. They always want to be, as we've seen with hosting a few Champions League finals. Uh, Portugal's always been good for that. And now next year they're going to be hosting the uh, UEFA conference. Um, I'm going to wrap up this episode. And by the way, as I always say again, thank you so much for your support. The numbers are awesome. I have new followers uh, all the time. Um, I had some people this week uh, ask me, uh, Brian Vieira on Facebook, about you know who plays in the uh, Portuguese Super Cup. And I get this question a lot. Basically, in the Portuguese Super Cup, it's always been the winner of the Liga against the winner of the Taça de Portugal. But in the case of the Taça de Portugal, where the team that wins the Taça de Portugal also wins the Liga, it's always essentially been whoever is that second team in the uh, division. I also had another uh, reader ask me a question, another follower, about what do I think are going to be Benfica's biggest moves this summer. Uh, Christian Oliveira is his name, by the way, no relation to Cristiano Oliveira. But uh, basically, I think, like I said, they're going to sell Darwin, and then they're going to use that money uh, to basically replace Tarat, Andre Almeida, Rafa, Pizzi, like I talked about. But uh, the question is, is how far can Benfica go during the summer without selling Darwin and, and, you know, hold up these other potential moves? So Christian Oliveira, I just wanted to answer your questions about that. also wanted to give a shout-out to Tofi, who uh, comments a lot on the uh, Twitter account, and I'm going to have him on in the future. One of the best, uh, in my opinion, opinions among uh, the followers that I have on uh, Twitter. Uh, let me wrap it up here. Uh, very disappointing news. Uh, as you guys know, um, Every week I end the podcast talking about my favorite small club in my parents' hometown of Atletico do Arcos. And last week, Atletico do Arcos was in first place. They took on Munson, who was in second place. And Munson comes into the Estadio do Cutada and beat Atletico do Arcos. And now Munson is in first place with a two-point lead with two matches left. Unfortunately, in this uh, promotion group of the Viano do Castelo uh, promotion division, first division, first place goes up to the fourth division. Second place, all they get is a Taça de Portugal spot. I don't. This is another thing. Like when we talk about the TV, like um, it seems like all the clubs at the bottom, and maybe it's done on purpose because a lot of these clubs would rather stay in the districts and they just don't have the money to possibly move up. But only one team out of ten is getting promoted, and. When you talk about how soccer football is so beautiful when you have relegation and promotion, only one team goes up. But there's two matches left. They're still mathematically possible. But it's going to be very difficult now for Atletico do Arcos to finish in uh, first place. And Atletico this weekend will be playing at uh, Castellens, which is in eighth place. Munson is going to be playing at home against Cerveda, who's in ninth place. So both of these teams have very easy, easy opponents, and uh, basically Atletico Duarte, is, uh, they're basically big trouble. So very disappointing. And by the way, this match this weekend with um, with Musong, it was also on Canal 11. It wasn't on the main Canal 11 channel because when they were playing the Portuguese Women's Derby, Benfica Sporting was taking place on Canal 11, I was told. 
But apparently they were on Canal 11. I'm guessing maybe it was like one of their uh, supplemental channels and you have to be a subscriber. But I was glad to see that they were broadcasting a big game. But again, uh, I just wasn't able uh, to watch it. It was Mother's Day. There was a lot of stuff uh, going on in my life. But uh, disappointing result. It really hurts. Um, and then on top of that, uh, disappointing that, um, you know, we might be stuck again in the district division despite doing as well as we have. And, you know, we've only lost um, two matches in this uh, thing. Uh, only have been drawn twice. But at the end of the day, like when I said about Porto winning the Liga to my Benfica fans, you know, at the end of the day, it's about math. And the math says that Munsong is in the lead by two points. So... Very disappointing. But anyway, folks, thanks again for listening to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Uh, as always, really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, big weekend, relegation battle. Who's going to get promoted from the second division? A um, lot of stuff to look forward to, to that. Uh, the big clubs. It's not really about the big clubs this weekend. It's really about the small clubs this weekend and, and the ones that are playing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to catching up. Uh, i got a lot more time this weekend. I did last weekend and uh, catching up and watching some of these games. Anyway, folks, as always, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.